Welcome to the first ever episode of the Influx podcast, a place where we talk to SCAD students, alumni, professors, and industry professionals about UX, the creative process, and what it's like living a life where you get to wake up every day doing what you love to do. I'm Zara Pradipta, and as the creative director of Flux, SCAD's UX design club, I will be your guide here on this podcast. A little bit about myself, I'm originally from Jakarta, Indonesia, and currently I'm a senior in UX design and I have a minor in printmaking. So outside of school and stressing out about classes, I love to chill with my cat, Noko, sometimes FaceTime my dog, Hugo, and drink tea. At Flux, we always try to provide what's best for the students. We host talks, workshops, and fun events, but we realize that not everyone has time for that which is why we started this podcast, a place where you can engage with Flux at your own time. And with that, let me introduce you to our co-hosts, Nico and Varun. Hey guys, I'm Nico. I'm a user experience design major and industrial design minor, and also the mentorship lead for Flux. I'm from Fort Collins, Colorado, and I'm currently attending from here in Colorado. I love working with my hands, building prototypes and models for UX projects, along with the interaction and visual design side of things, but also outside of SCAD, I'm an avid listener of artists like Mad Villain, ASAP, and Tame Impala, just to name a few. I also make the world's softest, most unique blankets, and currently sell them on Instagram at Nico Zafrana. so if you need a blanket, let me know. There's tons more to know about me, but for now, let's hear about Varun. Hey everyone, I'm Varun Kathri, a user experience design junior here at SCAD with an industrial design minor. Although I was born in Gujarat, India, I've lived near Toronto in Canada for basically my whole life. I'm passionate about interaction design, technology, and creative coding. And that's why within Flux, I am the web developer in a team of three. Outside of SCAD, I enjoy reading both regular books and graphic novels, but I'm on a bit of a graphic novel spree currently. However, I'm still hoping to get back into regular books real soon. I also enjoy playing single-player, story-driven video games, and in the past few years, I'd actually fallen out of love with gaming, but since the pandemic struck, I actually started falling right back in love with gaming after all these years. And with my introduction out of the way, I'll pass it back to Zara for some announcements before we get started with the interview for this week. So some quick announcements before we get into the episode. First things first, make sure to follow us on our Instagram at SCADflux and join our Discord, which you can find on our website at www.scadflux.com. Again, that's scadflux.com. So for our announcements, we have an exciting resume workshop with Ladies in Tech, which will be on the fourth week of this quarter. So be on the lookout for updates on that event. Another announcement is our biggest design sprint event of the year, Startup 2021, is coming this quarter. And the event itself will be held on week five and six, and signups will be announced very soon. The last exciting thing that we have coming this quarter, apart from this podcast, is our Flux Mentorship Program. It's basically an opportunity for students from all classes and majors to come together and help navigate UX and UX-related majors and careers. So look for a link to sign up on our Instagram or Discord very soon. 
So a little bit about the structure of this podcast. Each episode, we will start with an introduction with announcements from me and then move into a feature interview. And if time permits, we will end with an extra segment from one of our Flux members. This week, we don't have the extra segment. And instead, we have an interview with the one and only Dane Galbraith, a recently graduated senior from the UX design department here at SCAD. Right now, Dane works at Google, and we got to chat with him about working during the pandemic, graduating SCAD, and we even got some recommendations for movies to watch and music to listen to. Okay, so to begin, big thank you to Dane. You're the very first guest of our show. We're super excited to have you. Um, how are you doing, Dane? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. So I finished up at SCAD in May. I moved back home. So I'm from Pennsylvania and I've been here since I am moving to Brooklyn at the end of the month. So I'm looking forward to moving into my own apartment and getting settled in. What are you uh, moving to Brooklyn for? Um, so I'm working from home right now and work from home is extended until September, but it's voluntary. So the likelihood that the office could open um, in the future could be sooner. I just want to get settled in, have my own space, have my uh, work set up all ready to go so that um, I am ready to step into the office as soon as they ask us to come back. Gotcha. Okay. And you're excited to go oh, to Brooklyn? So Do you like New York? I am, I'm pretty close to downtown Brooklyn. Um, I've been looking up all the places that are right by my house, so I'm excited to get settled in, um, and, and see how it goes. Eat some good food, dude. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And there's a ton of coffee places right by my house, so. I'm guessing you have roommates, too, because, like, New York City, you have to have roommates. Yeah, because it's expensive. I'm living alone. <laughs> Surprise. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Round of applause. So, because of COVID, rent is down significantly. Um, so, the, oh, wow. apart the apartment that I found, um, the price is actually down almost $500 a month um, from the Whoa. listing price. And it's in a great location, a really good price. The rent is stabilized. So um, it's a it's a good time to move into the city, honestly. Yeah. So for our listeners, um, could you just talk about your ultimate journey to SCAD and when you started kind of getting interested in design and what brought you to the point where you are today? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've always... I've always been interested in, in graphic design or design as a whole. So for as long as I can remember, probably um, when I was like 10 or 11, I found myself like in Photoshop uh, making websites. <laughs> and uh, I guess at that point, I thought it was just graphic design. I just thought that's what graphic design was. But it turned out that it was essentially web design and would then become user experience design. So throughout middle school and high school, made a ton of graphics just for side projects or for homework. Um, I started making the posters and t-shirts for um, my high school theater department. And then I finally found SCAD through a college fair for a completely unrelated note because I, senior year of high school, developed a passion for photography. Um, mm. I saw SCAD. I was like, hey, do you have a photo major? They said, yes, I applied. <laughs> and then um, that was it. I only applied to one school. So... Once I got into SCAD, I went to the majors and minors fair and that like rocked my world because I found like, I found graphic design, advertising, and I, and I saw the UX table and I was like, what, what is this? So um, I started looking more into UX and by the time after fresh, uh, 
fall quarter freshman year, I declared my major as UX. So um, I never officially declared as photo, um, but I did take one photo class. But throughout my throughout my time at SCAD, I was uh, officially UX. And as soon as I took HCI, as soon as I took contextual research methods, I realized that this was the official process of doing what I had always been doing um, in Photoshop when I was much younger. So um, it just fit perfectly for me. Um, I fell in love with it. And that's how I got to where I am today. That's like exactly what happened to me. I mean, you know, because you were there when I was a freshman. But like, even the photography part, like I was really into photography my senior year of high school. And then like, Going into SCAD, I was like, maybe I want to do some photography, but like, yeah, <laughs> obviously I didn't do that. I think, I think, I think the reason why I declared as UX was because I felt myself freshman year realizing that I wanted to continue photography strictly as a hobby, um, and I'm glad I I'm glad I did that because I started, I don't know, I, I took one photo class and I started feeling like pressured to take photos a certain way. Um, and that was just mm-hmm. me putting that pressure on myself. Um, and I'm glad that I switched to UX because I put photography to the side for, um, for like two years and then like slowly started bringing, bringing it back the way that I, um, wanted to. And I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I didn't major it in it so that I can like keep it, keep it with me at all times. Do you have a Visco that you want to show? I do have a Visco that has not been updated in years, years. Oh, okay, okay, (laughs) gotcha. Um, So you graduated SCAD last year in the spring, right? Yes. Yeah, so, and you obviously have gone to Google. Um, How has it been working remotely and, like, has it been hard moving into, like, a full-on remote environment? Maybe you could just talk about that. It's been different for sure. Um, so I never saw myself working full time out of uh, my childhood home <laughs> to start. Um, so I had to take my, I had to turn my bedroom into my office essentially. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to be motivated um, in a space like that. But and, and on top of that, the the people that I'm working with, the the team that I'm spending so much time with, I will not meet them in person until September 2021, um, which is well over a year of me working with them. So um, it's been a little bit hard uh, getting getting into that workflow. Um, it would have been much easier if we were in person, but um, I mean, we have video calls every single day, multiple times a day. I spend yeah. a lot of time with them. It's just virtually rather than in person. So we've, we've made the most of it. Um, and it's definitely possible. So, um, yeah. How has it been? Because um, for those who don't know, you interned at Google the year before you got hired by Google. How has that been? Because you have experienced that in person and now it's like all virtual. So what has that been like? I have a couple of friends who um, started strictly during COVID, so they've never been in the office. They've never experienced that. Um, For me, I I would consider myself lucky to have had that experience of being in office. Um, I wouldn't say that it in any way hinders my my workflow. The only thing that is a little hard is that like, normally it would be so easy to just like lean over to the person on your right and just quickly ask them a question or walk across the hall and ask them something. Instead, you have to message them. And um, that <laughs> sometimes it, it can feel like you're, you're bothering somebody, right? Like, 
oh, they, yeah. they might be busy. I don't know, like, what they're doing at this at this moment, if they're, like, at their computer or if they're, like, eating lunch or anything. Um, but once again, it's really not an issue. People will respond to you when they when they do. And everybody um, everybody's in the same boat where they had to adapt to this, yeah. this workflow. Um, and everybody that I'm working with also got to experience that, um, that in-person uh, environment. So we're all adapting in the same way. Yeah. Would you say you've been able to kind of bond with your team, like despite being remote, or is it like a little bit harder? Like what's your experience with that? Yeah. Um, so I can tell you that a lot of teams will have like, um, they'll have like uh, group activities. Like maybe they'll, they'll get on a video call and do Jackbox games. Um, every couple of weeks, my team and I, we, um, we will just hop on a, a call and have like a, a happy hour where we just sit there and just talk about non-work related things. So a lot of us have pets. So we'll all just talk about like what's going on there. We'll talk about like movies we saw, music we've seen. Every week we have, um, we have like a, like a round table where we just talk about something personal that happened that week. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fun to be able to <laughs> yeah. like connect with these people on non-work related uh, matters. Totally. Um, how has the workload been? Me and Varun were actually just talking about this before the call and we were surprised because um, we saw like a sneak peek of what your answer might be. But um, how has the workload been like graduating out of SCAD working at a company compared to being at SCAD and having three classes. You, I, sometimes you even had like four or five classes yeah. at SCAD and community colleges. <laughs> there, there was one point at SCAD where I was taking three studios and two community college classes. <laughs> right. Uh, that, was, that was a wild time. But in, in reference to the, how the workload changes um, yeah. after SCAD, SCAD has conditioned us to be able to get our work started and finished in 10 weeks, which I really appreciate because they, they've taught us how to handle a heavy workload in a short amount of time. Um, the downside there is that when you're working on a major project, you know that it's week seven, right? You have three weeks left until it's right. completely done. Um, week nine comes around. You got one week left until finals, right? That doesn't necessarily happen within uh, w within your full time role. So you'll have a set of projects, and they'll just continue, right? Uh, maybe one will finish uh, sooner than the second one, and maybe the third one will will take an entire year just because it keeps changing and it keeps changing. So um, it's just a matter of staying on track of what projects you have. Um, it is fully manageable. I will I will say it's manageable mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily stressful at all mm. it's just the fact that i was conditioned to think that things work in 10-week increments and um it, it won't always work like that in a full-time role now every yeah. team's going to work a little bit differently um sometimes teams will work in two-week increments where you have um you'll get a set of projects and then finish it within two weeks and then there are other teams that just have everything ongoing continually and things will complete when, when they do when you say projects, can you clarify? Because like I've always thought that the working environment was like one thing that you focused on, and mm -hmm. then you moved on to the next. But you said projects, so could you just explain that? Yeah, absolutely. It once again, it depends on the team that you're on. Um, but at, at any given point, I'm probably working heavily on four projects at a time, and mm -hmm. then there's also like side projects that come up that are much smaller. So maybe there's like maybe there's an additional like 
three or four. Okay. I, I, I'm making that number up, but it's an average. Um, <laughs> and it, it depends It depends on um, what your team looks like and what project you're on. Um, because if you're working on a very specific product, if you were working on Google Docs, I wouldn't necessarily see four projects. <laughs> but um, the team that I'm on, it's, it's definitely reasonable. Um, so, two-part question. Yeah. First part, have you liked the work so far? And also, um, maybe you could describe what your job title is, what your job title means, what some of your responsibilities are and stuff like that. For sure. Um, I'm going to start with the second, the second question first. Okay. Um, so I am a visual designer um, at Google, which is so fun. <laughs> it's so exciting. So, um, so just to clarify... Within user experience design at Google, it's kind of treated like a like an umbrella term. Um, there are there are a couple of different directions you can focus on UX research. You can focus on UX engineering. Um, there's interaction design, and then there's visual design. So interaction design is going to focus heavily on the interaction of the product itself. You know, how is the person going to use this product? Um, what button do they have to press to get to this thing, and how does that transition look? Whereas the visual design um, side is focusing on type, typography, color, hierarchy, and styling. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to be in a visual design role because it's what I've always loved doing at SCAD. Um, and we work on the design system. So um, I work a lot with components and buttons and other things of that nature. Sweet. Yeah. And you like the work, obviously. That was the first question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've always, and this this stems back from what I used to do, so I've always loved laying things out visually. Um, I am definitely a visual learner, so I, I like to see how it's going to look and then ideate from there, and my role lets me do that, which is great. Going back a little bit, actually from the point that you are at now, um, could you ultimately describe how you got involved with Google and got, ended up getting hired? Yeah, so um, it started in high school. I had to create a graduation project in order to graduate. Um, and I had to interview somebody in a job role about what they do. And I was really interested in Google at the time. I always found myself watching um, Apple videos on YouTube, Google videos on YouTube. So I wanted to check that out. And uh, my family was also due for like going on vacation. So we went to California and I met Mike Buzzard, who is a design manager at Google at the Mountain View campus. And I interviewed him. And I brought questions with me about how <laughs> photography is uh, seen <laughs> at Google. And I was asking him questions about photo. I was like, I want to go to school for photography. Like, I want to work at Google and be a photographer. And um, he had UX answers because he's a he's a UX design manager. So right. um, he he gave me some some answers as to how UX is at Google. And at that point in my life, like it went completely over my head because I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, and then completely unrelated, he didn't, he didn't recommend SCAD at all. I applied to SCAD. I joined the UX major and then found out that he was the person who, who, or he was one of the people who created the UX major at SCAD. 
And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is insane. Like, do you remember me? So we reconnected like five years later and it was, it was, um, it was, it was wild. So, um, my junior year, I was like, all right, I'm going to apply. I'm going to do it. So the application for internships comes out at the beginning of every year around January. And, um, I applied and then I got the invitation for the design challenge. So I did the, did, did the design challenge. It took about a week. And, um, after that, there was a couple more rounds of interviews and, um, I was actually walking along the sidewalk in San Francisco when I got the email that I got the internship and I screamed. <laughs> I screamed because it was, it was uh, one of the greatest days of my life. And that's pretty normal for like internship like interviews, right? For big companies that it's like a really lengthy process. You know, it sounds lengthy, but once you're in the process, it doesn't feel like it's lengthy at all. Mm. Um, so I would say, like, on average, there's probably going to be, like, five to six interviews, um, all focused on different things. Maybe some of them are, are more skill-based, where they talk about your portfolio, and other ones could be more behavioral about how, um, how you are as a team member. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean... It's it's scary to think like oh I have to go through six interviews but what at least what I told myself I was like I'm, I'm doing one at a time just focus right. on one <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll think about the next one when the next one comes around and that helped a lot. In Did you have of, a question, Vern? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of your role as, for the internship, like how is it different from what you do now, or like what were you doing for your internship? Yeah, absolutely. So um, over the summer. Summer 2019, I worked uh, on Google Fi, which is Google's phone plan. Um, and that was a very different customer base, right? That is a, a consumer-facing product where the design decisions that my team and myself had made affect like customers directly. Um, so I worked on a, a couple of projects there that were, um, were front-facing. And then compared to this team, I'm working for, um, for advertising, for for the teams that are in advertising. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. working uh, internally and I don't necessarily deal with any front-facing consumers. So it's been pretty interesting um, to, to have that parallel um, because I was so used to <laughs> that one workflow from the summer and it completely switched. How does it feel working inward? Because, like, as a UX designer, you're kind of usually just like in the mindset for designing for users, and internally, it's still users, but it's not the traditional users we have in mind. So, mm-hmm. how was that mind shift, mindset shift for you? There is no change. There is absolutely no change, which I'm I'm very happy about um, because the the people who are creating the front facing products have needs as well, and um, mm-hmm. it's the same exact thing. It's just a different okay. use case. Um, okay, we have a we have an outside question from someone that you know well. Um, so I texted Savannah, who is an officer at Flux, obviously, um, great gal, and she wanted to know your advice for whether with an internship uh, or a job, how to kind of deal with that back and forth from like hearing back from companies that you applied to that they're interested, but it's not quite the dream job. Um, maybe you could just talk about that in general, how like the end of your senior year was hearing back from companies that you applied to? It's, it's a lengthy process, you know? Um, yeah. And the, the, 
the idea of getting your your dream job um, is is hard, right? And you always want to prioritize that. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes that that just doesn't happen. My mm-hmm. I guess my biggest piece of advice is do not throw away anything <laughs> that comes your way um, because it's all valuable. It's all important. Your dream job will always be there um, at some point. And the reason why I'm saying that is because um, Google essentially called me and said there were no roles left. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, I was very sad. I was like, I was like, all right, like I, I, I need to continue. I need to, um, I need to find something else. And luckily, I had been interviewing for other companies at that time. Um, right. So I had backups because I, I knew that although, although this is what I want, like I need to, I need to have other options just in case something comes up. And other things did come up, but Google then had an opening, and I decided to go with them. But um, you know, like what I told myself at that time I was like, I will always just reapply. Like I will reapply right. in the future, and like <laughs> just because just because like the next job is a step down in your mind on your list doesn't mean that it's not going to teach you something incredibly valuable. Um, like if you're working for a startup or if you're working for an even smaller local company, what you do <laughs> with with the talents that you got from your major will leave a huge impact um, wherever you work. Um, you're going to gain valuable insight wherever you are and you're going to take that from job to job. So um, just keep pushing, but remember that it sometimes it's just not going to work at first and it'll always come around. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, it's the beginning of her career, right? Like, this is your first job. Like, even if you don't get your dream job, you still have the rest of your career to get there. And kind of on the topic of, like, career, um, what are your long-term career goals, whether it's outside or inside at Google? Um, what do you kind of hope to get out of your career long-term? Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to stay at Google for a while um, and, and work and work my way up. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to be on this visual design path because, um, I feel like, I feel like I'll have, um, a lot of, a lot of great experiences and pro or projects that I can work on within that field. Um, so a couple years down the line, like maybe I see myself getting into more artistic visual design rather than, um, interface. Um, and, that would be really fun for like event planning. I, I loved helping out with, with startup while I was at SCAD and I could see myself potentially in the future working on some event stuff here at Google. Um, I'd like to travel. <laughs> I'd love to work on projects that aren't based in the United States, um, but that's longer down the line and that would uh, that depends on the team that you're on. So who knows? My, my opinion on it changes probably every single day. Um, and a year from now, I might have a completely different answer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I can remember like just like four years ago, I had a completely different idea of what I wanted to do. And it just changes every year based on the kind of just your mood, but we'll see where we end up. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I think about, I think about every year at SCAD and how different it was and how, like how much has changed and how much I, as well as everybody that I know has grown in, in, in year increments. So I'm, I'm so excited to see, I mean, like what happens within the next year for myself, as well as my friends, as well as you guys, because it changes so quickly. 
So this is a very important question. I think a lot of people have this question all the time. Um, so for those who don't know or who haven't seen your website, danegalbraith.com. Did I pronounce <laughs> that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, check it out. But it's kind of been used, at least in the UX department, at least professors, they'll be like, check out Dane's website, <laughs> see how he's doing it, and then maybe take some of those tips and use them. Um, so obviously people love it and they use it as inspiration, but could you give any tips about like when you were putting it together, what was going through your mind, like maybe how you feel about the different website builders there are? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to, to start, that website has changed so much over... over um, the course of four years. And I would say that that's been a work in progress for, for maybe six to seven years. Um, so <laughs> the first piece of advice is publish what you have because you can always continue to, to iterate over time. Um, right, right. I use Squarespace um, and I'm, I'm a huge supporter of website builders just because like when you're in the role of UX design, emphasize that design part. You don't really have to stress too much about coding it on your own. Um, don't feel bad about using a website builder because what what employers really, really care about is uh, your work, the, the final product, and, um, and how you kind of storytell that information. So um, I think that's, that's the most important part. I forget the rest of the question. Um, well, I can I can go on um, oh, and cool. ask you more specifically. So, <laughs> yeah, I remember I don't know if it was last year. I sat down with you and we got coffee, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Dane, I want to make my website, but like I hate the way that Wix looks, and like I feel pressure to like want to code it myself somewhat. And I feel like you had a really good answer, so maybe you could just talk about. Yeah, I mean, first off, if you want to code it, then go, then go for it. <laughs> like, if, if right. you're willing to take on that challenge, then like, that's that's awesome and that's really great. But when it comes to your your website, if if anybody were to give you a hard time about using Squarespace or or using a website builder, then I mean, in my opinion, do you, do you want to work for that? <laughs> do, you, do you want to work in that kind of environment? Um, right. I had somebody tell me once, like. An employer tell me once, like, oh, by the way, we know all of the Squarespace templates, so make something original. And I didn't really agree with that statement because, like, who who's going to lose sleep over the template that I have? Um, mm-hmm. Who Who's really not going to hire somebody because of a resource that was free and available to them? Um, and... I, I felt that same pressure too. I was like, you know what? I need to code my website from the ground up. Um, and every time that I, I started, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stress too much about it because that was that was one opinion out of many. Um, I'm going to stick with Squarespace because I'd rather focus on the UX design projects uh, that I have rather right. than uh, building the the website from scratch. Um, and I, I will offer... I, I will continually give people that same advice. Uh, don't, do not stress too much about picking a template. I mean, customize it as much as you want, but just focus heavily on your projects, your work, and, and what you want to show about yourself on that website because that's what's going to leave a longer lasting impression. Mm-hmm. I think like 
the part that's really impressive about your website isn't necessarily the design, it's the case studies. Like, they're mm-hmm. amazing case studies that are really long and really detailed. Thanks. So, it kind of, like, piggybacks on what you're saying. You're not really worrying about the template. You're more focused right. on showcasing your work. Um, but on relationship to that, the, those case studies you have, like, what were your what was your mindset going into, like, bringing that to life? Was it just kind of taking your process book and then creating a website of, out of it? Or was it something more specific? Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to creating your case studies or, or, or narrating the projects that you've worked on, you, you want to ask yourself, what are the things that, that people need to know? Um, so, I mean, for example, what I have at the top of each of my case studies, I have um, the duration of the project, when it was, um, who I worked with and what their roles were, what my role was as well as direct links to to any of the deliverables. And the reason why I did that is because, I mean, the the final product, of course, does have value um, to an employer. And giving them those links at the top so that they can quickly view your vision video or quickly view um, your poster is really important. But I wanted to get that out of the way so that I could just jump mm. into research right below that um, and and begin the storytelling. Um, and And... Every piece of the storytelling is super important because people don't people don't care about your final screens. I mean, just your final screens. They want to know what happened in your low fidelity solutions that you got stuck on, and and what solution you made to to kind of ideate towards that final solution. Um, so that's what I tried to do within my within my case studies. I try to put as much imagery as possible because I know people like me are, are visual learners. Some people like to have all of that text to, to kind of supplement it. But um, I, think, I think visuals are super important just because it, it helps people understand that you know how to do that entire process from beginning to end. Okay. So that's a lot of information. <laughs> but if you had to like sum it up in like three key things that you think a UX portfolio or maybe even just a design portfolio should have what would be some of those things like um, it could be the layout or, you know, process, anything like that? Absolutely. So I would say don't go over the top. Um, and you should be taking uh, essentially your page speed, uh, simplicity, and, um, and kind of contrast or, or clutter into consideration. So what I mean by that is that hierarchy is incredibly important. Um, you want to make sure that you're you're treating your typography really well if you have a lot of type on your um, site. And maybe make those headers uh, summarize the paragraph below it so that if people don't want to read all that paragraph information, they can just right. skim through those headers. Um, uh, make sure your image sizes are smaller. And that's something that I can I can work on as well. Um, you can actually test your website speeds and and they'll give you a score and and tell you how <laughs> how quick or, or slow your website's loading. And the reason why I bring this up is because it's really important to remember that not everybody has super fast internet speeds. Um, so take that into consideration and, and see how you can simplify the site so it's not too not too cluttered and not too stressful. I think another reason why I bring up simplicity is because when you're looking at more complex websites, um, I remember creating creating a, a template in Webflow, and I was working a ton with with parallax, um, with a lot of different assets um, spread out across the screen. And the issue with that is that once I visited the website on a new computer, it took like 20 seconds for all the images to load. 
it might be cool on your laptop, but you have to remember, like, if somebody across the country wants to quickly get on your website, they want to see that you're you're taking uh, you're taking the UX principles that you've learned in your classes and applying it to your own portfolio website. That's funny that you bring that up because I was literally messing with Parallax on Webflow yesterday, and I broke the website. <laughs> we've, we've all done it, and it's cool, right? If you can do it super tastefully, um, yeah. Some <laughs> and and I, I mean I've been there like I I have this cool idea and then I go over the top and it works great on my computer that already has the information stored on it but as soon as you as soon as you visit it from another uh, browser or computer that's when it all goes downhill. That's yeah. a good point. And the thing is with like tools like Webflow, they're so powerful that I could, I could, they're so powerful that there's like a learning curve. It's almost like coding. Obviously, it's easier for most people than to learn to code, but like even my website's currently hosted on Webflow, and it loads in really slow because I don't really understand how the animation thing works. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm transferring it to a different site where I actually understand everything that goes into making it happen. Yeah, and, and like I said, like it, it will continually evolve and it gets better and better over time. Um, I, I think that where my portfolio site is right now, like that's not that's not the final version. It will change at one point in life, <laughs> um, right? For the better, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's something we talked about a lot this quarter. Me, Varun, um, and even Andrew, we had like a portfolio workshop and we talked about like everyone is always kind of down on themselves about their portfolio because they're like, I don't like where it's at, but I feel like it's never finished, you know? It's never finished and um, you should never get rid of it after graduation either. You should continue working on side projects and and watching it evolve because... um, I mean, 15 years down the line, you're going to thank yourself. Um, when, when you're able to see a full timeline of everything you've accomplished every year, mm-hmm. even after graduation, like it, it's really it's really fun to look mm-hmm. at. I've actually seen a portfolio website um, where somebody was able to implement a timeline so they could jump back to the first iteration of their website. And it was it was insane. Like the first one is completely the first version was completely different than the last one. Um, but it's cool because all that all that matters, and it shows how you how you grow as a designer. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And even if you're not building on the same portfolio site, like I'm not doing that. I've seen that happen where it's still building on what I previously did. Mm-hmm. So, like my design visually looks really different, but I feel like the principles that I applied in my first one, they're like I just improved on that, or whatever mistakes I made on the first one. I'm really like, mindful of that. So even if you're right. changing platforms, whatever you're doing. Like regardless of building on top of it or building from scratch, you're still keeping your learnings from before. Agreed. Um, okay, I was going to, Varun, I don't know if you see where we are in the questions, but I was going to ask the Roblox question, but hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should stick with the UX questions first. Yeah, finish um, up. Yeah, so I think um, a big question that I think we want to ask everyone who comes on to the show and you've kind of asked this, or you've kind of answered it, but like, why UX design, and like, why does UX design matter for you? Um, so many times at like SCAD, or even just in life, people are like, "What is that?" And it's going to be obsolete in like two years, and blah blah blah. So it's like, why UX design, essentially? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so <laughs> it, it's pretty interesting because what we're majoring in right now will likely go away at some point in our life. But that doesn't mean that we're going to lose our jobs. That means it's going to evolve into something else. Like the the people that I work with, I work with UX designers who were originally just web designers. 
they're doing the same mm-hmm. exact thing. It's just improved and evolved over time. So I'm excited to see what UX turns into in the future. But the reason why I'm really interested in it is because there's so much storytelling that can be done through just very simple elements on a screen. Um, when it comes to the entire UX process, I've, I've always enjoyed designing something that isn't necessarily for me, um, but creating something that allows somebody else to create something good. Um, and -hmm. I think that even expanded outward towards things that happen in flux. Like I really loved being able to, um, help out with startup because it was fun working on a project that got other people to create some really great things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, that's the, the biggest principle that, that keeps me interested in UX design. It's that everything that I do, every, every design that is made, every design decision that's made affects a real person and, and improves their life. And I think that that makes me happy. Um, you get to deal with people, um, which is, which, which can be like, it can be hard at times, right? Like communicating <laughs> nonstop, but um, like it's a it's a challenge I'm I'm willing to take and yeah I don't get tired of it. So if you had one word to kind of describe that, like would you would you say that's like you like being a facilitator in a sense, or is that am I misunderstanding? <laughs> I don't know the one word. Uh, <laughs> that's a hard topic to give one word to. Yeah, I feel yeah. like empathizing is like the expected answer. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> But, no, but I heard like oh, from what you said, I kind of got facilitator. I like having like, Im- like fac- I like having impact. I'm gonna say yeah. I'll leave it at that. I like having impact. Um, yeah. Okay. And maybe like on on that topic, you talked about it a little bit before, but I think at least for um, freshmen and sophomores, something that's super 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 hard when you go to SCAD is there's like a million majors and like 50 of them are so cool. And, like, how do you des- decide to, like, you know, do UX design instead of graphic design? Or how, how did that kind of work for you? Maybe that can inspire how other people make that decision. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when it comes to UX design, like, anybody who is likely joining that major is, is coming from similar fields. So graphic design, yeah. um, advertising, potentially motion media. I think that... I think that it's really important to know what is the core thing you want to do um, and then and then branch from there because I was really interested in graphic design. I was really interested in motion media in my in my latter years. Um, the cool thing about I mean like the SCAD degree program is that you get those electives, you get some classes that mm-hmm. kind of overlap with each other. So if you're considering it but still needs some more time, um, Start with, start with graphic design classes. They'll they'll transfer over to like every, <laughs> anything, um, and use those electives that you have to to find to find some of those um, to to find what you want to do. I think that if you're pretty serious about UX and want to understand how it works from from beginning to end, HCI is going to be your best um, right your best introductory course um, and. If it's for you, great, continue with the major. And if it's not, then you can use that as an elective. And um, you then have that UX mindset that you can transfer over to to any major. I think that the, the UX process, being able to understand how other humans are going to interact with your solution is applicable to any major. And it's, it's 
a, a pretty important skill to have. For sure. So we've heard you are kind of a Roblox superstar. So could you <laughs> kind of explain that for us? I am a Roblox senior citizen, <laughs> essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I would say that Roblox is where I started, um, <laughs> like, fully getting into, like, graphic design um, with other people. So when, uh-huh. I was, when I was about, like, 10, I'd say maybe 10, um, I started, uh, like, an advertising business on Roblox um, because... What? Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know what Roblox is, it's a game where... It, it's a platform um, where you can make your own game, have other people play your game, um, and you can actually um, you can make some money off of it, which is great. But um, you can advertise your game, and for anybody who is who is not paying for Roblox Premium, they get ads on their website, um, whether it's banners or headers at the top of the page, and those are made by uh, real creators on Roblox. So when I was in uh, late elementary and early middle school, <laughs> I was. <laughs> making ads in Photoshop um, and selling them to other kids for like 500 Robux, which, was, uh, which is their currency. And every, every day I had a list and I, was, uh, I ended up making like 10 to 15 of them a day. Um, so I, was, I would have my mom like put in her parental controls on the computer before she went to work and then I would hop on and get to work. I had a full-time job <laughs> in middle school. Um, Man. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I started getting into graphic design, but I also made the longest obstacle course in Roblox. If you've played it, um, let me know. But it got over, um, I think it got over like 4.5 million views or a million plays. And it was at the, it was at the top page of Roblox for, I would say a year or so consecutively um what age was that at oh god i'd probably say like 2010 to 2012 that was probably when it was in its prime um and i mean people have definitely surpassed me that the longest obstacle course or, or mine was at 900 checkpoints and i think now like some of the games are like 3000 but i don't know some of them don't count (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Like I've played some of them, and they'll consider like, like one jump, an obstacle. I'm, and I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't count. Get that out of here. It's technicality. To get these take take one off the list. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I, I still play to this day. I am an adult, and I'm playing a children's game. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, that game is uh, inspiring a lot of people to enter tech companies because those games that you you make uh if you're on the visual side like it teaches you how to build something from the ground up but it also teaches people how to be software engineers because you can apply scripts to any of the objects and and uh use code to tell it to do to do different things um so it's it's amazing how powerful that game is and highly recommend checking it out yeah (laughs) I definitely agree. Like, when I was a kid, I was really into Minecraft because I wanted to become an architect. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was, like, my thing. I used to watch, like, videos all day about, like, how people build modern... Like, modern houses were my thing. I love modern houses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just watched videos all day about people building houses. And it's super cool how these games are, like, toys or whatever you want to call them, like, 
kind of transition into like professions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's Roblox is like Minecraft, but um, better or worse, depending on who you ask. <laughs> I would say better. I would probably say I like Minecraft better, but it's kind of like a nostalgia <laughs> thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, t- I totally get it's it. It's whatever you started on. I haven't played Roblox, so I can't say. Oh it's my all... God, we should play. <laughs> For sure. Add me. For, add it's me. so you much different. It's so much I'm different. I'm Dane Dude 34 and also if you look it up on YouTube, there are videos of me. All right. Is this your most proud achievement, Dane? Roblox? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I think for the rest of the interview, we're just going to do some kind of some hot takes. <laughs> Get Dane's opinion on some hot topics, or maybe they're not so hot. Um, Varun, do you want to start with the first one? Okay. First one is really easy, depending on... Actually, no, it's really easy. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, YouTube Music, or SoundCloud? Like... Which Spotify. One Are you yeah. kidding me? Spotify for sure. I'll, I'll give I'll give Apple Music the gradient card because they treat gradients really well, and uh, I like their rounded corners. Um, but Spotify because dark mode, and I've had it since I've had it since like 2011 or something. So I've I've just stuck with it. Um, title is dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I'm honestly on the Apple Music train. And I don't know why, because I'm not like a, I'm not like an Apple fanboy. I don't have many Apple products, but like Apple Music, oh, the new update. Have you seen the new update, Dane? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh my! It's gotten like really pretty. It was kind of like so-so before. It's really pretty now. Yeah, and they have dark mode now. So if, if you're complaining about dark yeah. mode, dark yeah. mode here. I know, I know. Much to think about. Yeah, I'm not switching though. I'll, I'll look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at it, but I'm not switching. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have to pay full price now? Uh, for Spotify? Yeah. I'm on my mom's family account, so I'm paying, oh, I'm paying zero. Nice. <laughs> but I did lose my Amazon Prime student account, and oh. I, I canceled. Yeah. I canceled. I was not paying full price. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so along the same topic of music, um, maybe I should give some background. If none of our listeners went to SCAD when... Dane was in flux, they would have never experienced Dane on Ox. And people would always be like, who's on Ox right now? Because this is really good music. And during startup, do you remember that? Everyone was like, dang, this is good music. So <laughs> we know you have good music taste, Dane, <laughs> at least according to other people. <laughs> so what have you been jamming out to recently? And um, do you want to shout out your Spotify profile so people can follow you? That is a very <laughs> ironic comment because everybody hates my music. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, no. Talk to Nick Pellegrino. Um, so I have to give Nick credit for startup because I brought my speaker, but he made the playlist. Um, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, my music is, I, I would say, a little more on the... The, the common side. It's, it's nothing too obscure at all. Um, but top artist of the year, I think two years in a row, is 1975 mm-hmm. because their latest discog- discog- wow. discog- discog- album. No, what's the, what's the word? <laughs> Discography. Ah, yeah, di- ah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah I, I stumbled myself. Okay, their latest album, uh, Slaps, Notes on a Conditional Form, they slowly released singles over like eight months. I was like, can you just drop the album already? Um, but 
it's it's great. Um, every song on that album is amazing. Um, and then close follow up is Jeremy Zucker because Jeremy Zucker is amazing. He just dropped a new song, which is my favorite song right now, called "Nothing's the Same." The music video just premiered yesterday at noon. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, <laughs> and I'm also going uh, off of my Spotify year in review. Um, and then the other three artists were A Wonder, uh, Bon Iver, and then <laughs> Jesse Mueller, which is the lead actress from the original Broadway recording of Waitress, <laughs> which, you know, I'm surprised it's on my top five, but I saw the musical last year and I guess I really liked the music, so I kept, I kept going with it. What's your favorite um, 1975 album or EP? Uh, oh, uh, their 2015 one. I think I think it's called the 1975. It's like, I think that's the one I've heard. Yeah, it's the one with like uh, chocolate. Um, me. It's like the, the like the most the most cliche 1975 songs are on my playlist, <laughs> and I'm into it. I, I saw them live, and I saw them live with that album. So I was like, yeah, it was top tier. Nice. Right, and transitioning from music hot takes um if you could do one design related thing for the rest of your life what would it be like graphics websites research definitely graphics and definitely not research <laughs> um, <laughs> i i see myself at some point in life getting back into graphic design just for the art of it um rather than componentry or interface design um an instagram account that i i really like right now um and is, is pretty inspirational to me. It's called Earthrise, um, which is led by um, a couple of people, but two of them being uh, YouTubers, Jack and Finn Harris. Um, they started off as YouTubers, but then they, they became environmentalists um, just from all the travels and filmmaking that they've been doing. So they started a platform called Earthrise, which is just dedicated to bringing about... Um, or information and knowledge on climate change. And if you look at their Instagram, it's it's just a bunch of graphics about cool statistics, um, which I think is really interesting. And I think down the line, I can see myself doing, doing more uh, informational stuff as well as abstract uh, digital mm. stuff um, and printing a lot of that out <laughs> and keeping it for myself. Right. Okay, um... This is the last hot take we have written down, but we probably have more. Um, so a little, speaking of Andrew, a little birdie named Andrew told me that you're super into movies. I'm very into movies. So what are your top three movies of all time go? <laughs> <laughs> top three movies of all time. Okay. First one I would have to say is Carol, which is a, I believe it's from 2015. Um, and it's about um, two lovers from the 50s, uh, during Christmas, and it's pretty fun. I think I think what what constitutes uh, being a good film for me uh, is not only the storyline, but also cinematography, and mo- probably most right. importantly, the soundtrack. Um, and the soundtrack has really stuck with me. I still listen to it. I think I think two or three times a week. Um, so highly recommend checking that out because it's a beautiful film um, with great music, and it's. It, it puts you in a mood. <laughs> Second one, uh, and I have three. Second one would be Room. Um, I forget what year that came out, though. Um, and it's it's about, it's, it's Brie Larson, and she's stuck yeah. in a room, and she's been living there for, like, the past seven years by a captor. She has a kid, and the kid has never seen the light of day. 
he is. Oh, I've seen that one. Right? It slaps. I've heard a lot of oh, good things about it. It's, it's so good. It's really great. And I think what I love so much about that is that it's it's really eye-opening um, in the sense of realizing how lucky you are to have the things around you. Um, right. Because when you see, like, this kid who's never seen, <laughs> who's never seen a tree before, right? Like, it's 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 done beautifully. Soundtrack once again is amazing, um, and yeah, I love everything about that one. And then the last one um, is the Ballad of Cleopatra, which is a short film. It's on YouTube, and it's a compilation of five um, music videos from the Lumineers' second album. And uh, they they release all these music videos individually, and then they put it all together in one. And everybody was like, oh, oh my god, like. It's all connected, and um, <laughs> that one has stuck home with me. I watch it a lot just because it's it's only twenty six minutes long, um, or it's 23, 20, whatever. Um, but it's it's so good. Of course, the music was is beautiful because they're literally just music videos. Um, but what my favorite part about it is actually not not the music video sections, but more so how the or the music that happens when it's connecting from one video to the other, or or what those clips are. Mm-hmm. When it when one music video ends before the other one begins, um, I thought it was done beautifully. They did it again with their third album, um, and it's even longer. So I recommend checking both of them out. Okay, what are your opinions on Star Wars? Then I don't remember any of Star Wars. <laughs> you don't remember Star Wars? <laughs> no, I haven't seen a single Star Wars. So that's even oh worse. Oh my. You know, yes. Varun, I think I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think I saw like some of the like original ones when I was younger, but I can't tell you which ones I did see. Uh, I don't. No, I, I haven't seen a single one, like not a bit. Like I maybe like when on TV, I maybe saw like an episode of Clone Wars, but like that's it. So you guys have never seen Mandalorian either? No, I don't understand the Baby Yoda hype. I d- oh my god! I thought it was a Who movie. Am I talking to? I thought it was a movie, but it's a TV show. It's basically a movie. That's how good it is. <laughs> you know, honestly, I get it. I, I get the hype because before before quarantine, I had never seen a Marvel movie, and mm. I, I watched the whole uh, MCU from beginning to end. And beforehand, I was like, I don't get the hype, but like, whatever. And I get it, right? So I'm assuming the same thing happens with Star Wars. I just haven't had the time. Yeah. And with The Mandalorian, they did this like really unique filming technique where they put the actors in a chamber with LEDs all around them. And then they use visual effects to project the scenario around them. I watched that video, that YouTube you saw video. That? And yeah. that's going to change the way that filmmaking is done. Like there's it's no, so there's no need for green screen anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's so cool. And I like when you're watching the movie, you're like, how the hell did they get it like so good? And then you watch that video, you're like, that's how. amazing. <laughs> that's how. Yeah. Uh, I might have to watch Mandalorian. Do I need to see anything before Mandalorian? Um, some things will go over your head. Oh, I'm okay with that. So I- like there's some teasing parts where if you know, you know, but if you don't know, you'll find out later. Got it. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Like I've heard, because like I want to start the Star Wars series. Like I've been told too many times, like not having seen a single film is like <laughs> it's a serious offense to so many people. <laughs> um, 
So, like, I was considering The Mandalorian as the hopping on point, and I've heard that it's actually not that bad. No, um, it's not that bad. But yeah. I might just watch the movie first. I think that's, like, the way I should go about it anyways. Dane, it's not like you have free time right now, but can I recommend you some movies to watch? <laughs> I, I still have time for movies. Right now I'm watching Twin Peaks, but I can, I can see if I can fit it in afterward. Twin Peaks is my all-time favorite show. Really? I've actually never seen that, so um, like, now we're even. I, I'm almost done season one. I absolutely love that show. Uh, <laughs> I have like really, really strong feelings about David Lynch in general. Yeah. Um, I, did, I just did a project on him in my graphic design class, and I just love him as a person. Oh, I just cool. find him so fascinating. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed uh, The X-Files, and uh, um, Twin Peaks is giving me the same vibes as X-Files, like both 90s, film, or both 90s shows, like really great music, um, and I can't, I, I don't remember anything that like, Lynch has done except for like one short film on Netflix that I thought was funny and weird. But Wait, the I, monkey one? Yeah, the monkey one. Um, <laughs> but he, it's great. He's it, it's really great. No, yeah, I, I'm actually going through Lynch's movies. Like Twin Peaks was the first thing I watched of his, and now I'm trying to like slowly go through his like whole filmography. Yeah, he's he, he he's he's great. Are you on Letterboxd? I I just joined, and like I I want to get into it. I'm not. I'm on Goodreads also, like, and I read a lot, but I just can't get into the idea of, like, punching in what I watch. It just seems like a lot to me. I don't know. You should, because, like, years down the line, like, you'll be really grateful that, like, you you logged it. Um, and, I mean, I, I think it's useful. Like, I started it in 2017, and it's fun to go back and see, like, what movies I watched when um, okay. and, and how many I watched per month. Okay. All right, so our homework will be to all watch the movies that we just talked about. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. That's so, what Nico, Twin Peaks for you. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars for me. Star Wars. Wars. Mandalorian. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. Please tell me you guys have seen Lord of the Rings. I've seen The Hobbit, not The Lord of the Rings. I've never oh, seen my. I've never seen it. We're just different people. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would watch it. I would watch it. I'm trying to, like, catch up on all the things that I guess, like, I missed out on mm-hmm. in my childhood. Yeah. Get Disney Plus for a month, and then boom, you have every single Star Wars movie ever. Oh, I've ever. got yeah. Disney Plus. I've boom. got it. I'm, I'm excited for Soul to come out on the 25th. Oh, yeah, yeah, the animated movie. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Okay, well, Dane, it was a pleasure having you as our very first guest on the show. <laughs> Likewise, okay. thanks for having me. And um, maybe we could have you again sometime in the future. Maybe we could talk about just a whole special about movies. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I am totally down for a movie podcast. Sign me up. Awesome. Well, thank you, and we'll throw it back to the podcast. Bye, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Keep an eye out for our next episode, which you can find on the Flux website, scadflux.com, or Instagram, at scadflux.